Welcome to This Old App, a podcast about learning, coding, smashing stuff together, breaking things apart, startups, failing, winning, and any other buzzwords we can think of. Hey, Don. This week, we have Mark Thompson back. Um, Mark, Mark, I'm happy to have you on. I'm going to say a few words about you in a minute, but uh, glad to have you back. Hey, thanks for having me. It is an honor and a pleasure to be here. I'm really, really excited. And, and according to me, noted Go founder and creator, Mark Thompson, right? <laughs> dart. It's it all dart. dart. It's all about dart. Why, why, do I, why do I keep missing that? <laughs> I, I worked on Go. You know, I found it going as a side project back in 2012. So I think that's where that came from. <laughs> founded go but still teaches javascript there's a huge issue there um, <clears throat> anyway let's uh i want for people that have not been listening to all of the this old app episodes mark has been a guest on at least two of our shows one we were talking about and this is what we kind of want to follow up on this week what was like mark Launched an app totally strong. I'm naming that right, correct? That's correct. All right, because I got it wrong before. Totally strong. And you were using an alpha product, um, like framework, which was Dart and Flutter. And we discussed, we in the, between those two episodes, we discussed, one, the Flutter platform and your experience with it, as well as we talked about the trials of the indie developer, the the solopreneur, the developer that's working on this project by themselves, with the balance of a family and a you know full time job, we talked about you know everything and the goals that you set and how you felt like you failed and how you've pushed through. And so, what we want to do is talk about everything since those episodes and where you are today and what's coming up. So I don't know the best way to start with it. Uh, well, the other thing I want to say is thank you, Mark. You are one of our biggest online fans. I mean, you are definitely a Twitter um, blaster in the sense of you put out tons. People should definitely follow you on Twitter just based on the enthusiasm you bring to our corner of the world. But you've also been a big fan of our show and promoted episodes, and we definitely appreciate that. Absolutely. But, but back to you, I want to start out and, and ask, what's been going on the past year with Totally Strong and your work in the Flutter field? Awesome. So Totally Strong is it's been going good. This last year has been a lot of learning lessons that I think are related to development, but some of them are just related to trying to launch a product in general. Uh, yeah. I can walk you through some of the, the things that I went through, if that can be helpful. Definitely. Awesome. So here's, here's what happened. Last time we spoke, I had just launched Totally Strong after doing this 30-day campaign where I decided to go from zero to app in 30 days, but it had to be out on the app stores. Yep. So so after that, I launched my alpha test. I had about 20 users or so in the first month, and things were looking really exciting. And then what I noticed when I checked my daily active users, it went from the initial excitement, excitement of maybe having 20 or so people using it across iOS and Android to one person 
like signing in. And I didn't understand yeah. what was happening there. And I was like, wait, what's going on? So I did what any solo founder would do. I just started to go to people and say, yeah, why, why aren't you using the app? What's happening? Then I found out that people couldn't use it because the UI was designed from a developer point of view, very utilitarian in a way and very desi- developer style design, right? And so people didn't know how to use it. So that set me on this new path where I started to figure out, okay, how do I get a good design? Then I yeah. had to find designers. Okay, how do I afford designers, right? Yep. <laughs> on the street stream budget. Because up to this point, everything has been bootstrapped and as little upfront cost as possible. Yep. And so I ended up going through two different designers. And, I, and I'll tell you just from the design process, here's the lesson that I learned that I would tell everyone, especially when you're starting your own app, starting your own thing. Don't cheap out on the design process because it might be a little bit painful to get someone who will charge you a little bit more. Yeah. But you only say ouch once, right? You only feel that pain once, but you have a good design. But yep. if you kind of go the cheap way, which I did the first time, that just ends up being a, a costly lesson that you had to learn. Oh, yeah. You always get what you pay for. I mean, that's just the, the lesson. But I agree with you on this. The It's a foundation. The design is a foundation layer for your business and for your startup and your product. And to skip out on that is kind of a is counterproductive. Well, it, it, the, it's also like we I'll put it this way. We had a uh, we had a grocery store in Gainesville when I was at college and it was the the bargain basement grocery store. It's where you went as a college student. And the outside look was horrible and all that. So if you it, it wasn't welcoming and that's what a designer brings is something that welcomes you to an application, um, because really, what's the first thing any uh, any user is going to see in an application It's going to be the design. Um, they're not going to know what great code you've written if they can't navigate the design. That's right. So you got, so you got the better designer and what was the effect of that change or were you able to implement it fast? I guess is the next question. Well, so in terms of design, so that's interesting, right? So the first designer wasn't a bad designer. It was my bad budgeting that really caused the issue there. I had only allotted $500. Yeah. And within that $500, that didn't leave me any room to go back for revisions because I said, oh, mm-hmm. we'll do this thing hourly. And the designer said, well, $50 an hour. I said, okay, well, I guess in 10 hours, can you do this whole design? I said, yeah. But after the 10 hours, it's like, okay, here's your, here's your design. Yeah. And so what ended up changing was I learned that lesson that, you know, you, I don't know if you really want to work hourly with, with folks when you have a, a small budget like that. I think what you do is save up more cash and do what I did next was I found a designer that I trusted and I just said, hey, here's what I want to do. Here is my budget. What can we get done? So what do we need to prioritize to make sure that we can reach the goals that I have? within the budget that I have here versus saying, here are your hours that I have allotted. That doesn't work, I don't think, for yeah. small projects. So did you, at, at that point on the second contract, did you allow for a period of revisions? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. So the, uh, I guess 
I'm curious, I'm sure other people are, how did you find your first and second designers? What was your search process? How did you vet them not being a designer yourself? Like, you know, what were the steps you took? Yeah. So the first designer, I went on Mm dribble.com and I started looking at profiles of people's designs. And I was like, oh, I like the way this person looks like, like their work looks. I like the way their work looks. So I, I just started emailing a few people. And that's how I found my first designer. And I said, okay, you know what? I love to give people a chance at stuff where if it's someone who may be up and coming, I'll totally take a bet on somebody because people took bets on me in my engineering career early on. Yeah. You know, I want to afford that type of like thinking. And that's how I got the first designer. And again, the person was wonderful to work with. It's just that we didn't have time in, in the budget to make changes. For the second designer, one thing that I do on Twitter, I really try to connect people. So if I see someone who says, I need a job, I'll try to remember if I know someone else who is looking for someone or hiring. So I try to connect people and I keep people in like this mental inventory of like, hey, this person may be helpful to someone else someday. Well, years ago on Twitter, when I first started with Twitter, I met this guy named uh, David Huang. I met him on Twitter and I said, oh, you know what? He's a good designer. I should reach out to him at some point because he might be great for a future project whenever I work on something else. Yeah. And I just had it in the back of my mind all this time. I mean, this is years. Had it in the back of my mind. And then when I was ready to look for a second designer after I figured things out, I just went to him and told him, I said, hey, here's where I am. Here's what I want to do. You're an experienced designer. Give me the real talk. What does it take to get done what I need to do? And then yeah. he he told me, he said, okay, well, for what your budget is and the time frame you're looking for, here's what I think is reasonable. Here's what I think would be a fair, a fair price. Then I said, okay. Now that you tell me that, can you do it? (laughs) (laughs) So it worked out where he had a little bit of bandwidth because he's super busy. He had a little bit of bandwidth and he was able to get me a design, which is how I got on to the next phase of the app, which is because this was a this was a few months of time between the first designer to getting with the second designer and getting the final screens. I mean, we're talking maybe three or four months at least of time. Well, I don't want to divert too much off of the path you're talking about, but I do want to mention that your discussion about design and also your network are two interesting things for solopreneurs, solo developers to think about. One, design is not your forte. It's not mine either. So even though I can cover a huge chunk of the of the technology-based labor that a startup or a new product would need, there's still aspects of it that I need to fill in the blanks. I need to hire someone just as someone would hire me to work on their product. And so in this case, you found yourself in the same position that every entrepreneur um, finds themselves in. I've only got a limited amount of time and a limited number of skills, and I have to find other means to fill those. And that's what you had to do here. You had to make a a money investment rather than a time investment to find a designer. And the second thing is that if you're a solopreneur and you just go and work in the corner by yourself for months on end, you are completely missing out on the ability to grow a network to find those gaps in your talent Um, and skills and time to get things done. So it's, you have this long-term relationship with the second designer through a network you've established. 
And yes, you're an extrovert. Um, you're by far the most extroverted person talking right now. But the, <laughs> the, the long, the bigger scope is that even though you may be working by yourself on the product, you're never going to finish alone. And having a network, no matter how big or small, whether it's online or in, in person, is very important to the success of your product, even at the smallest scale of design relative to all the work you're putting in. So I just want to bring those two things up because you're bringing these really good lessons for people trying to work by themselves when, in, in essence, they're not working by themselves and they aren't able to do every single thing by themselves. Anyway, that's my little sidebar. But so you got a designer and talk about implementing the design. So that was actually the fun part. So this is where we could talk a little bit more about the development process with Flutter. I think it's sure. a great segue into there because with Flutter's design style, so the way you write your code is everything is in the same file as your business logic in a sense. It doesn't have to be you know, coupled that tightly, but you write, you write code and cl use classes and objects to create your UI. And it's a really fast process. So this is the first time in my life, and this is just me being completely transparent, first time in my life that a designer has given me a design and I've made what they gave me. <laughs> <laughs> I totally hear you. I don't need to even elaborate. Yes. Makes so. Sense. <laughs> continue right so you know exactly what i mean there right like yes. i didn't even go back and say well next version would we'll do the, or i'll approximate what you made nope i made exactly and that was actually a lot of fun and that was a, a high point in this journey because going through the design process it, it felt a little low just because i knew that i was missing some opportunities by not having a i guess a usable product on the market yeah. And and time was was going fast. And you know as time goes fast, more people have that thought convergence where someone else will figure out, hey, this is a an, a way to solve this fitness problem. We should get our app on the market. And so anyway, so yeah. I'm thinking about that stuff. So now when I get back to the actual development, what we did was we used the Envision app. And every time there was a screen uploaded to this app, so it's kind of a place where you can share an in progress design. Mm-hmm. So I look at the screens and I can even look at the measurements of how far pixel wise things were from each other. And I was just cranking out screens and not really worrying about the logic. And this actually goes back to another kind of engineering principle where I truly treated the first version of Totally Strong as an MVP to where yeah. I did not reuse any of that code. Interesting. I wrote the whole thing from scratch again. So I really tossed it out and said, okay, now with the lessons learned, now that I'm more experienced with Flutter and with Dart, I can do this twice as fast, and was, which is what happened. I was able to crank out a screen per day almost. Nice. Yeah. And, you know, out of the 13 or 14 screens, like one day per screen, even though it didn't take me 14 days, but that was about my pace. Yeah. Yeah. So had you learned, have you, had you used Envision before or was that learning on the fly too? Learning on the fly. I didn't know what it was when I got it. Yep. So when I got the uh, first link that said, hey, let's go to Envision so you can see this. I'm like, you know, I don't know what this app is. I don't know what I'm signing into. So I'm just going to do it because <laughs> I trust you. But <laughs> Well, now, I mean, that's, again, another lesson is you're still going to have to, like, if you bring, the, the funny thing is if you bring on talented people, they're going to have better tools than you've ever used on that specific skill they have. So I, I've actually had the same experience where 
a designer that I work with frequently said, hey, we're going to use Envision. And I was like, I don't need another tool. I just I just started using Photoshop and uh, something else in Adobe. I can't remember what it was just because they were kind of making me do it. And then they brought in Envision and I was like, man, I got to learn something else for the designer. But again, it was totally the best choice. It was an awesome, it's an awesome tool. And you just have to learn as you go. So, so you got the screen set up on Envision, but how did that translate to the Flutter work? Sure. So a lot of times, my I can tell you what my workflow exactly was. I would have a web browser up with Envision loaded and the screens up. Yep. And I'd have the details on the side showing what the fonts were used, what RGB colors were used, et cetera. And so I'd have that up on one side and then I'd have my editor up and I just start outlining. Well, here's one part of it that I think came into play was I would sometimes have to look at the screen and then yeah. I'd have to draw it on a piece of paper to break it down to to rows and columns sure. and mm-hmm. to, to get the right flow that I needed to match with the widgets that I needed in Flutter to create that screen. Awesome. So you, you implemented the screens in Flutter, but you were also, but at this point, you weren't doing the functionality? Were you still setting up essentially dumb screens in Flutter or how is that working? No, 100% dumb screens. Okay. And I think my motivation there though was just to get some confidence and momentum going. Yeah. Because at this point, I am almost probably eight or nine months into this app. And if you think about things like, for instance, the New Year's coming up, right? And so with New Year's resolutions, people stick around for one to two weeks. Yes. Doing a long-term side project that you're getting no revenue from, nobody's using, that is a long, long journey. <laughs> for sure. Yes. And so I just needed some confidence in my, you know, to keep going with the product. And something to show people to get some feedback as well. So as I got screens working on the app, I would walk around and just show people like, what do you think about this? So particularly the users who were the most, I guess, quote unquote, faithful, the one or two people. Yeah. So, okay. How do you like this? If I, but I even did that with the Envision mockups as well, though. I actually took the Envision mockups to the gym where one of the, the active users were who told me that I can't use it. And I showed her, I said, okay, how do you like this? Tell me how you would do X, Y, Z. So how would you add a new set with this screen? And I watched what she did. Like right in person on the mock-up. And I could see from there if it made sense where we were going with the design. That will like, understand that that type of product development, so many people skip that. And that's awesome. I mean, yeah. the ability to take a dumb screen you know, quotes, dumb screen and show it to a user in the setting of the use case to get feedback is terrific product development. Um, getting that feedback loop is, is just higher fidelity than you can ask. Cause most people will put a focus group in a, you know, closet in a room and just say, envision yourself at the gym. But if you can put right. that, if you can put that design in front of the user and the setting of use and discuss it then that gives you a level of knowledge that just so many products don't even get through until they get people yelling at them later so that's pretty sweet that's just a great approach awesome i mean and it was good for me to see where we were going to get more validation on the design but at the same time though i was 
still at this point pretty far from launching the re redesign. So you, you create user excitement that way as well. So as I showed users these screens, they were like, oh, I love this. When can I use it? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, in a few weeks. And then a few <laughs> weeks, I'd say, in a few weeks. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that process kept going on and on. Yes. And that never goes away. That the whole of soon, soon is <laughs> is constantly going. And it, it, so, it happens it happens even more often when when it's just one person developing it because oh yeah. you're 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 having to do so many things. Uh, you're talking about implementing the design while not with just dumb screens. So you got to reconnect all the back end stuff later, and that that just takes time. And so go ahead. I was going to say, um, and, and that's exactly right, is that I noticed the next step was after I had all these wonderful, like, beautiful screens with all this static data, then I was like, wait, nothing works. Now I have to remember, how did I solve a lot of these technical problems? Like, how did you do login with Firebase authentication? And then yeah. now I'm going to switch over to Firebase Cloud. Uh, was it not Cloud Store? Firestore. Firestore. Firestore, yeah. Firebase. Firestore versus just using a real-time database. So then that presented new issues, right? So that was yeah. the next step. So you decide to start making the screen smart. And what at what point of the year was this when you got to the point of design is done, screens are vetted, now you need to start making things work? Where were you time-wise? It's probably in around July or August at this point. Okay. So what happens next? How are you starting? Like you're, you're, you went to Firestore and you started learning how to do Firestore for your persistence layer. What are you doing for the, like how has Flutter changed between that time? Because we were talking to you at Alpha. Um, it, by that point, it was in beta. I know they're on the path to releasing their stable version, but where is Flutter for you at that point? Oh, great, great question. So this is interesting. So the same things keep happening to me all the time. I feel like John McClane sometimes from Die Hard. I feel <laughs> the same thing happened to the same guy twice, right? <laughs> and, and I'll tell you why. Because when they released beta, a lot of my stuff broke. Mm. Because of the libraries that I was using just didn't, they weren't compatible with the beta. And that's not the fault of Flutter. It's just that yeah. that's what I had to do. I had to go through the update process and I talked to some other developers who are like really big into Flutter. And I had lamented about how I did not like working in Gradle. And they were yeah. like, well, I never work in Gradle. I never change Gradle. I'm like, yeah, that's because you aren't using the same plugins that I'm using. You don't have all these dependencies that I have, right, around the, the Firebase stuff. Yeah. And so I had to figure out, you know, what were the changes, how to, how to mix and match. So, you know, that dependency mix match game you have to play where you want the features of 3.14, but it's yeah. not compatible with 1.21 of this library. And you have like that game you have to play. And so I, I went through that process. But on the opposite side, though, I was so happy that so many things were fixed. So many stability issues were put in place. The size of the app bundles went down with beta. Mm. You know, so because one person actually who, who was arguably a, a very technical user of like, you know, because this person works as a systems administrator. So they pay attention to things like download size of apps and, you know, versus just, yeah, I'll just download something and delete. Yeah. It's like, Mark, why is this app, you know, X, 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 you know, megabytes big what's in here. 
I'm like, wow, good question. Good answer. Because <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> I, like, I don't know. Um, I'll, I'll look. I told you, you know, like you say to everyone, all users, oh, yeah, you know what? Let me look and I'll get back to you. And so yeah. I was just like, yeah, I'll have a look. And so anyway, so things got better that way. And then we got Dart 2.0 support, which cleaned up the code a lot because there were some really nice things where when you're going to initialize a new object, you don't have to put new everywhere. Yeah. It'll figure out what to do. And that made things really clean. And and so I just was really excited about that. So the can you... I have no idea what Gradle is. What are you talking about? Mm. Well, let's talk about Gradle. <laughs> <laughs> so for all the JavaScript folks out there, you have all your build tools that you normally use, your things like your Grunt, your Webpack, and then yeah. you're pulling your dependencies, <clears throat> and then you have all these different things uh, that work for your application. So but you have this build tool that stitches everything together. Gradle is that for non like JavaScript projects. So you Gradle really rose to prom- prominence in the Java world. Okay. And now it really works for I, I believe that it works with a lot of the JVM languages in general. Yeah. But don't quote me on that because I don't want someone <laughs> who's a Java expert <laughs> tweeting me tomorrow. <laughs> like first off, you don't know what you're talking about. Um but anyway, so but but in the Java world, you know, Gradle rose to prominence and you see Gradle huge there to manage you know, where your dependencies come from. So if you get your dependencies from the Maven repository, for example, then you you can list that in your configuration. So it's like your build tool. So this episode is now going to be called All About Gradle by Mark Thompson. That's what we're going to name it. (laughs) That doesn't work? (laughs) Don't, okay. You you just said how good uh, you should follow me on Twitter. Everyone's going to unfollow me now, right? (laughs) No, no, you're good. You're good. But that makes sense. I understand what that is. Um, Is it... In the React Native world, we have Expo. Is it as is it as involved as Expo with the entire testing and like that kind of structure setup, or is it really more like Webpack in that case? I think it's closer to Webpack and just around okay. the build stuff. Okay. Okay. Cool. So you are now starting to learn about the new stable version. The more stability you're getting, the reduced package sizes. The um, you know the improvements of the stability of the Dart language. You're learning Fire, Firebase and Firestore. How is this development period working for you based on the facts of family life, work, and you I mean if, if anybody in this world has put themselves into greater um, like Twitter debt, it's you because you constantly. <laughs> Commit yourself. I mean, this is a terrific technique for people trying to get pushed through and get things done. You put yourself out there for deadlines. You put yourself out there for getting projects done and pieces done. And you, like we've we talked about in the first meeting on on here about how you missed a deadline and how it made you feel. So you're driving yourself um, online in your public space to get things done. What is your summer like through the fall trying to do this? So moment of honesty and truth. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All the, you know, the development speed definitely slowed down because my wife just said that 
I well, she asked me not to teach over the summer. Yeah. So that way we can, we can do more family things in the evenings and on the weekends and going and you know, traveling too much. So I'm really struggling to squeeze in time. Yep. And I even tried this thing where I do the wake up at 4.30 a.m. to get time in to go to the gym, you know, do work on the app and then start my normal day so my evenings can be free. Yeah. But that doesn't even work, right? Because that's it wasn't sustainable for me just because of the nature of my family dynamic yeah. with my little one just not sleeping. So I would have to, at that time when I tried it for two weeks, I had to be in bed no later than 8.45 if I wanted to be functional at 4.30 a.m. Yeah. And that's just that's not working for us. It, it just really flops. So anyway, so it's really hard to find time to develop at this point. But I'm still pushing through. I mean, I'm, I'm trying at this point to not let more than a week go by without me making significant progress. Yeah. And so, but how do you get, so what ultimately becomes your pattern? Is it really all over the place the entire summer? Or do you fall into a chunk of time you're able to do it? Is it is Mostly... It, yeah, no, great question. Uh, mostly a chunk of time where I would say if I have two hours tonight, I need to just lock in for these two hours because this might be the last two hours I get for this week. Yeah, yeah. Well, you also had a little bird co-developer, didn't you? At least I saw a video that said you did. Yeah, because I got this plushy toy from from the Flutter team, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, so you're just gonna hang out on my desk and be my, you know, my rubber duck if I need you to be my rubber duck. Don, you were about to say something. No, as far as uh, I'll go with what he was just saying, the rubber duck. That that I I, it that's so helpful sometimes to just talk it out. Um, I I I had a um, I was working through an Alexa skill this week, um, and I decided to start recording myself. I'm just doing it just because this was a problem I'd had in the past, and I I wanted to capture it if. if it came up again and just talking it out eventually led me to the solution. Um, so as far as having that rubber duck, that's certainly helpful. Um, one thing I was going to say is um, the, the other thing that, that Mark brings on Twitter is, is a ton of positivity, a ton of encouragement. Um, yeah. And, and, and I, I greatly appreciate what Mark does there. And, uh, I, I, I try to hop on the bandwagon whenever I can, because I know Mark's out there struggling to, uh, to, uh, to get, uh, the, the app completed. So, um, so yeah, it put, putting yourself out there on Twitter and holding yourself accountable for that is certainly, um, certainly been an interesting follow. I'll put it that way. But I, 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 it, I, and I uh, well, go ahead, go ahead. Don. No, I was going to say just one, one note on the whole like transparency on Twitter, uh, so the positivity, I really do try to share with folks what I'm thinking and how I'm getting through some of the tough days. Because for me, I still have I have very low moments at times. Yeah. Right. And and sometimes a lot of that is due to without going too far into the backstory, you know, losing my parents at, at you know relatively young age, my mother dying first, and then my father dying later of cancer. So going through that, that stuff still comes back to me at times. Yeah. And sometimes it's just hard to like push through. And so I'm like, you know what? And so that's why sometimes you see posts on Twitter where I'll talk about if you can't be bouncy right now, that's okay, right? I want you to know that you're not the only person out there who could be trying to build something, trying to accomplish something and not having these like 
what I like to call like the Instagram or like YouTube, like momentum days all the time, where it's like, get out there and do it. <laughs> Don't let anything stop you. You are, you know, all only thing that's holding you back is, is whether you put in hard work. Well, that's not true, right? Yeah. That's not true at all. There are so many other factors. I just want to let people know that you should work hard on your goals and your dreams and you have to be consistent. But I think the bigger goal is be consistent at it versus like being infallible in your effort. Yeah, and to to both of your points, the your, the the way that you express your frustration and the pressure you put on yourself is constructive. You the great part for people that follow you is that you do show where you're vulnerable and that helps people under like when you go out like you said, when you go out there and act invincible, People think that they should be invincible, and none of us are. Nobody is. And I appreciate the vulnerability you're willing to show. Now, I've reached out to you directly when I'm like, whoa, that tweet was too low for Mark. I need to find out what's <laughs> going on. But that's that was way more in the earlier part of the year. That I, I have seen a transformation lately. And maybe it kind of goes in line with maybe as Flutter has released 1.0, maybe maybe Mark Thompson is 1.0. You know, it's I've seen a more balanced positivity despite the pressures, despite those roadblocks you've met. And it's been a struggle, but I, f- I just feel like that's what people need to see. Um, people need to know that everyone else out there, even if they're Elon Musk, they have limits. And they have pressures and they have a family history that makes them feel the way they do. And you're going to be different, but it's important not to just see that Iron Man facade that we try to usually put on in a marketing sense. So I appreciate that a lot from what I, your streams and what you, what you publish. I don't say it. No, I really do appreciate you and and you reaching out. And I think that you're right about the the evolution of just my perception of what work is. And so without going too too far off topic on that, I'm just saying that I think that for me, my expectations of what is what what success looks like has changed significantly hmm. over the year. And I no longer push myself to feel like if I'm not a robot, I am not working at my full capacity. Yeah. And so, like I said, just just that invincible Iron Man. I just think that you know what this thing will be done is what I what I was telling myself over the summer, over the fall, into the winter. You know what I mean? And just keep going. It'll get done. And as long as I'm consistent and pushing forward, you're gonna have you know good times and bad times with the process. But that is the reality of it. So where are you in the in the late fall? Where are where are you? And where is the product? Yeah, so product is going full steam in the late fall. I am getting a good amount of code in because I finally figured out a system that works, which I'll just be honest with you. It's me putting the baby down more often Mm -hmm. and getting him when he wakes up more often. So that way my wife feels more relaxed. And then if she's more relaxed, she feels like she wants to be by herself more often to just get her me time, which means that I get some me time to work on the app. So that turns out to be the better like flow of our like our home. Okay, but I have this other problem that's going on. I'm thinking this. I'm thinking, okay, I think my app is going to be good. (laughs) But my logo is very homegrown. I have this fancy new UI, but my logo is really just a material icon. Yeah. Just with a green color. So I say, okay, now I need a logo to be designed. And I tell myself, 
Mark, you learned some lessons from the from the first designer you worked with. You learned those lessons. But no, I didn't. Right? I did learn those <laughs> <laughs> Because I went to someone with a small budget again. And with only this hourly thing. But this time, it wasn't my choice for the hours. It was just the way that person worked, where they only worked hourly. And we had a good relationship, as you know, we've been friends for a while. So I said, hey, you know, you're a pretty creative person. And the result of this relationship was their design style was so far away from where I wanted the logo design to go. Yeah. And it just didn't match. And I was like, by the time I pay you enough to get where we're going, I don't know that I'll ever get there, though. That's the problem. Just because we just have a little bit different philosophy on the design. So there was some money I spent on that one. Where, But this time I cut it off sooner. After I think about two or three revisions, I said, okay, you know what? I just think we're in different places. And I appreciate your work, but I think we can just stop here. Yeah. And I, do you? And then I find. I, I, I want you to finish your, your logo, and then I've got a logo story. I'm sorry, Mark, Randy. What were you going to say? Yeah. And then uh, so sometimes when you do good things, good things happen to you. I was teaching a full time class, and I got a chance to meet um, one of the students whose brother happened to be a designer. Who, when she heard that I was looking for a designer, she reached out to her brother. And her brother, J.J. Lee, reached out to me and said, hey, um, you taught my sister. You did a good job. I'll I'll work with you and I'll help you out in so many words. So give me a good price on some really high quality design. Because he told me the first thing. And I said, OK, let me come back to you after I save for about 18 months. Because, you know, his full package for like the design plus the uh, what, what you call the like almost like the lookbook for your design where they show you where how to use your logo, what colors to use it with. I mean, very professional treatment. The price was just way out of budget. Yeah. But he said, because you helped my sister, I'll help you out for a slightly discounted yeah. rate. And then we went with this person and with JJ Lee, and it was phenomenal. And we got the new logo. Awesome. Do you... is And the only factor I want to ask about is you mentioned about friendship. Do you... Is working with friends risky for the very reason the first design didn't work? Or have you been able to balance that pretty easily? No, don't do it. <laughs> if you have really close friends, don't do it. Because I think when money is involved, it's always going to get weird pretty soon. So I think friendships at different levels make sense. But like me and, and the first designer, we were actually, I was in his wedding yeah. and he was in my wedding, right? So super close friends. And I felt like what ended up happening was, Maybe I, I communicated poorly when I was saying that, okay, I think we should stop here because I think that, you know, it came off as me saying, I want more work for less money. Yeah. But that's not what I was saying. I was saying, no, I just think right now I want to pay you what we agreed to, but I don't want to continue the process. Yep. yep. So you And it definitely put a strain a little bit, though. So I'll be honest, it put just a little bit of a strain. And I was like, man, I have to make sure that our relationship is still intact after this transaction. Yeah, that's that. That's always a risk. And I think most people understand that it is, but it's so much easier to work with friends and strangers. The risk feels lower initially until you get into it and there's a disagreement. Then it feels like, right. wow, I risked way more than I thought I was. That's the, kind of the problem. So we have now... Like, Don, you had a logo story. So, so you talked about um, using uh, Dribble for your design, and then did you end up going to Fiverr at all for the for the logo? I looked okay. on Fiverr. Okay. We uh, so for for these podcasts, we used Fiverr for the the various um, 
logos we've got. And it, it, it's all part of that whole process again, right? It, it, it was, we don't want to pay a lot of money. Um, so, but what, what I ended up happening was I had one person who I sent them the logo, uh, agreed to so many revisions and a set price. And then they came back. I sent back feedback and what came back was just not even close to what I had described. Um, and it, it's, that's, that's the good thing about Fiverr is as you're trying to find the people to work with, it's not costing you a lot of money, um, but you're having to churn a lot and work through. So we ended up going through three or four people um, before we found the, the, the person who could do the design the right way. Um, and also for, um, I had somebody make a logo for a different company. I, I want some cartoony logos and I had a set budget in mind and I had them work through everything. And before I knew it, that budget was gone. Um, yeah. And it, it was, it, it, again, it wasn't the fault of the designer. It was, they came the scope was poorly defined. I'll put it that way. Um, because I was going to a designer saying, I want these acronyms cartoony, like maybe this one with a, a, a magnifying glass. So he came back yeah. with it and it was nothing like what I had envisioned and it was nothing like what I wanted. So I actually ended up just drawing it myself, putting that in and sending that and that sped things up, but it also constrained the designer um, to my design and I'm not a designer by nature. So, um, that, that just, it's tough that where we get into design and we get into logo because we all have things that, that are in our heads. Um, but sometimes we have to let those people work out, but I wanted to pull Fiverr into that discussion too, because I think that's a place that a lot of people go for, for things like that. So I wanted to, to just relay those, those couple stories. So Mark, you get a, you find a logo to start the branding. You're able to implement, I guess you're able to install that logo. It fits the, the, the new screen designs you have. What's going on beyond that? So now that I have the logo, which by the way, shout out to my wife, Rachel for coming up with like the core component because we were struggling to figure out like how to integrate one last piece because it just didn't feel right. And I texted my wife and said, hey, you know what? We're trying to figure this out. What do you think? Yeah. And she came in clutch. So shout out to Rachel for the branding being as amazing as it is because of you in part. Okay, so now that we have the logo, we have the screens. I'm watching tons of Clout Firestore videos to try to understand how their version of the document database yeah. works and how searching works because it's one of the core components. But then I do this thing, right? I start to say, okay, enough is enough in terms of like all the ex uh, kind of like surrounding tasks that need to get yeah. done. I really just need to get this thing out. So I set a, a deadline for, let's say, October 22nd or October 21st. It was actually the first deadline that I set. And I'm in the late fall. And I'm like, I can get this thing done in two weeks. Just kind of force it out the door. And then what ended up happening next was it's interesting. And I think a lot of engineering teams go through this. I start cutting features from the mm -hmm. launch. And I just say, you know what? Do I need this the first day? Yeah. Probably not. <clears throat> and do I need this other thing? Probably not. So I had a list. I said, okay, if I, 
do they need user profiles? Fine. They can have a user profile, but they're not getting the ability to edit the first time. Yes. Just be their email address and whatever list of workouts they've created. Do they need to search? I said, you know what? No, they don't need to search for new workouts yet because the community won't even be large enough at the, on the launch for there to be enough content for them to search for. Yep. So they don't need to be able to search. So the community page goes away and we do a read only user profile. And then I really just focus on the core, core piece of the app, which is the workout creation flow. And here's where I run into another interesting problem that I think also I would tell anyone working on an app, you should really take the time to not be so like floored by the design that you just accept everything. And it's not the design was bad. It's just that the person designing, unless they're in the team with you like full time, they won't know all the intricacies that you know about the workflow. So they may not design all those pieces. And so that is a fault of mine, not of the, of, of the designer, because I didn't think about what happens when you press this button on this yep. screen. And that could be very specific, right? So what happens if, if the user is in the middle of, of creating a workout and they hit the back button, what should they see? What should be the, the actual flow from screen to screen? So I didn't think that through yeah. when I was describing it. So now I'm having to rework part of the design and try to keep it as faithful to the original renders, but now figure out how do I make this work? And I spent quite a bit of time. That task ended up, t- ended up taking me way longer than I mm-hmm. thought because even <clears throat> I didn't fully flesh out what the new like wizard, so to speak, kind of workflow we created, what should happen. And then I'm just trying to figure out how to do a lot of things that I had not originally anticipated and that were not in version one. Yeah. So... Like the, the the lesson here, and this is something that I deal with clients all the time because clients get in their mind. Let's let's take the community page for example. The nice thing about being the solo developer is that you truly feel the trade offs of removing features, meaning you understand what it will take to build the feature. You also under you also can think about what if I don't do it right now? And it's easier for you to say, we don't need to do it because you understand the, the time cost, the effort cost, the energy it will take to build it. Whereas oftentimes clients, as they keep getting closer to the deadline, it's really easy. It's easier for them to abstract out the pain and the effort and energy it will take to get that feature. And so they keep holding on to it. They're not willing to cut features as easily as I think the solo developer will. So for people listening that are not going to develop, they are just listening to people talk about the development. I would say this is where, in a way, you had an advantage, not just because of you being able to do the labor, but because you're able to cut the features down in an easier fashion than a non-developer would be able to do, I think. That's pretty valuable. I totally agree. I totally agree because I knew exactly what it would take to do it, what that work was. And I also knew when I felt like it would be necessary. So I just had all, all these technical things. And I think this comes back to like, even being a solo developer, having technical leadership in yeah. mind, right? What would I do for, again, as, as this being, even if it's a one person company, which it is, but the point being, though, I had to make these very, you know, technical leadership 
style decisions. Like, okay, if we remove this, when can we put it in? When will it be important? And then I have to ask myself one kind of hard question. Will it ever be important yeah. enough to, to, to put back in? Even though I envision the reason it's hard is because I envisioned that being kind of a cornerstone of the app, but maybe it's not. Yep. Right. And so I'll, but I'll find out because I'm not putting it in right now. Right. Community page is going. And that's because I don't have the time to learn the parts about how to do the searching with the third party tools like Algolia or Elasticsearch yeah. and then do all the indexing. I don't have time to learn all those things and not make the app cost me money from the usage for the hosted yeah. services for the database. And because you don't want to pre-optimize, but you also don't want to just throw something together where you end up in a Medium article about a developer group who makes a $30,000 bill over a weekend, yes. right? Like that's a real life story. So I'm not willing to, so again, technical leadership, it comes back into the play where I'm not willing to risk that. So I'll just cut this feature until I know enough about how to make it work. Yeah, well, honestly, that when you talk about what is the trade-offs of Firebase, I have totally brought that up is you're not going to make your app the most efficient at the beginning. On Heroku, it doesn't really matter. You're usually not going to ring up a bunch of new dinos or servers just because of your inefficiency at the beginning. But with Firebase, there is a risk there of the usage blowing out a budget. It's much higher risk in the Firebase area because there's not a really good gauge of how much the database is going to be hit with read and writes. It's really hard to figure that out. So I totally feel you there. I've, I've felt that way on a project I recently worked on. I was very concerned with that kind of the scale of usage hitting the budget much faster than we would anticipate. So it's something you have to kind of weigh. Um, so <clears throat> you now are getting down, you're whittling down features, you're getting closer to launch. Are you in October at this point or are you beyond October 21st? No, at this point, I'm still within like four or five days of October okay. 21st. All right, so tell us what's going on at this point. I am squeezing every ounce of time that I have. So I'm doing things like staying up past midnight again, which is something that I did in the very beginning, which is not the greatest pattern, but I'm staying up past midnight or I'm doing things where I'm starting my full time earlier yeah. so I can get a little bit of the pre-dinner time in to do some work, you know, do stuff with the baby and then... Once the baby goes down, jump back into the office. So I'm scrambling as much as I can to do this. And it looks a lot like what happened when I was trying to launch the yeah. first time. You know, very similar pattern where I'm like cutting things here and there. But then what ends up happening, and I and I try to like not have the same outcome. I missed this deadline yeah. for sure. I just don't have enough time to get it to a bug-free state. Well, not bug-free, the lowest amount yeah. of bugs. And that was the problem is, is that I, as I was around October 20th, I'm doing a lot of testing on device and via emulator. So I'm actually testing, just constantly create workout, create workout, because that's our core functionality yeah. at this point, create workout, create workout. And I'm just noticing, I'm like, man, this thing, if someone hits back on this screen, things blow up and I don't know why yet. And that's because of just the state of, you know, flutter and my experience with flutter at this point, there are still things that I don't know about it because again, I've only been working with it for less than a year yep. at this point. 
And so there are just some bugs that I haven't figured out yet. And I'm just like, okay. And then the UI, there are some design path decisions that I made that were wrong, mind you. But I didn't know they yeah. were wrong. But I found out after they were wrong. And they just made it so unusable. And I'm like, you know what? I could put out something that'll get me, a, you know, 25 or 51 star reviews right now. If I'm being, you know, realistic with myself. And I don't want like fake reviews because people like me and they're just putting like, oh, we really like him. So it's a great yeah. app because people will call those fake reviews out in the other yep. reviews. So I don't want to do that either. So I'll say, OK, I have to make this decision to say, all right, keep your eye on like the realistic target, because my goal was to be available for January of 2019 with an with a pro version to not miss the New Year's resolution. Uh, yeah. folks and have them like a new tool they can use so i keep things intact there but i have to do something else right um i have this email list that i have been collecting from the landing page i hadn't interacted with those people at all since they signed up not even a thanks to signing up email like nothing yeah and so i use this opportunity when i missed the deadline on october 21st i sent out the first email you know branded from totally strong and saying hey we missed this deadline but Here's why we did it. So, you know, try to, to do your PR spin to say, hey, you know, and I told people that we're working, you know, of course, even though it's only one person, I use the we <laughs> to sound very fancy. <laughs> you know, so I'm like, we, we are hard at work crafting a world-class experience for you. So stay tuned. Thank you for your support. You did a very short email. And I got, I got that email. That was, I remember it. You did oh, get yeah. that email. That's you didn't right. keep your word. That was the subject header, which is harsh. You put you you put pressure on yourself with that, but I appreciated it as a member of the audience. I can say that. So I was trying something different. I had gone to a copywriting workshop, and he was in the in the the leader of the workshop. This guy named uh, Donnie Bryant, brilliant copywriter. He was saying when you write emails, right? There's a process you can use, and you depending on what the subject line is, depends how people will open the email. And I wanted people to open the actual email versus just see it and like swipe left or whatever to delete it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I was like, okay, if, if I'm transparent, so I was trying not to be too harsh, but I was trying to be like, wait, what is what is what do they mean? They didn't keep their word. What yeah. does that mean? Let me find out. Hmm. Let me re-engage with this audience that I hadn't been engaging with the yep. entire time. So now you've sent out the email, you've given yourself more cushion. Where are you in November and December? Yeah, so good question. So what? So here's a real big curveball. My kid gets hospitalized on October mm -hmm. 30th because he, he has surgery on October 29th, gets hospitalized on October 30th, and stays in the hospital until the night of, of uh, October mm -hmm. 31st. So just caring for him. I put everything on hold for that. Like I wasn't thinking about yep. this app, you know. So going going into November, the first few weeks, I just didn't care. I was like, okay, he, his health and recovery is the most important, which everyone hopefully can agree yes. with and acknowledge, even in their own things. Your family always yep. comes first, right? You always put those people first. So October, beginning of October, I'm really focused on on his health and his recovery. Uh, update: He's fine. He's back to his normal self. So that's nothing. Yes. He's good. But then it gives me just a couple of weeks before the holidays start. So now going into the end of Thanksgiving, right? Or sorry, end of the month, heading into Thanksgiving, I'm not spending time on a, as much time on an app there, like maybe 30 minutes, 40 minutes here and there. But something bananas happens in December. <laughs> 
Flutter has their, well, sorry, Google has their Flutter Live campaign, like their their conference to announce 1.0. And I'm watching the stream at home while I'm working. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's on the, you know, like, like a little sliver of my screen. And about 50 minutes in, I hear my voice and I turn around like, what? And they show, they show the video of me, like talking about like my Flutter experience and then totally strong at this developer conference where like thousands of people are watching. And that just takes my motivation to finish this app, like through (laughs) the roof, because first off, obviously I tweet that I'm famous and I send a (laughs) screenshot. (laughs) Yes. You know, of, of this thing, but you know, that's that sets everything up. So at this point, you know, I, w- I was feeling good about the app. I wasn't feeling down at all. I was just like, okay, we're gonna make it. We have all until you know December thirty first. We're gonna be fine. But when I see this, you know, this uh, video with me in it, and then people from the Flutter team are like tweeting to me saying, "Oh, we loved your joke about the bird next to you," and all this stuff. I'm feeling phenomenal because if I'm being honest. This was part of my intention. I wanted to be a part of this Flutter community yeah. from the beginning, and 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 that was that was by design in my head that I wanted to position myself that I could add value to the team. Well, not to the team, to the community more, and by being public, talking about Flutter, helping where I could, and then it came true, which was super amazing. Like I'm still, you know, living. Uh, vicariously through that moment. <laughs> I just got an email from an old co-worker that I hadn't talked to in about three years. He's like, it literally the email was, dude, you're famous. <laughs> and and in my head I said, no. <laughs> Awesome. So so that you are presented like how I guess on one aspect, you brought up the Twitter li- the email list before. What kind of I guess r- rough numbers are you having at your list at that point? Does it grow from the exposure? What has changed on that side? Because marketing is something we aren't going to get into too much here, but it's still an important part of a solo developer's journey. What? How much did it affect where you can the audience that you're reaching, if it did at all? Yeah, great question. So I was around 62 people in my yep. email list. And then after, I was about uh, 62 people <laughs> on my email list. <laughs> so that didn't really it get impacted immediately, but it impacted it a different way. So on Twitter, people started to follow me. So my follower count grew by about uh, about 20 yeah, people yeah. or so. But some of those people were like, like I would say Twitter yeah. famous people. Influencers. People like, Emily Fortuna, yeah, like so. So, for instance, Emily Fortuna is uh, really huge in the because she works on the Flutter team, and her, she's bouncing at bouncing sheep on Twitter, and she followed me, but she was at the conference demoing apps that she made on stage, right? So she was also at Google I/O, and she was you know at uh, Flutter Live, so getting some really meaningful followers and exposure in the community there, I feel like it's just adding value to the, I would say the Mark Texan brand, yeah. which of course I can, I'm hoping to relay that back into the totally strong brand because people are like, well, I like him. I'll support the things that yep. he's doing. So what is on the, what's, where are things going? Like we're now down to the, the end of December. 
we're now into walking into the you know end of your holidays. Where are things going for yourself and totally strong? Yeah, so I am thrilled to announce that totally strong. By the time people hear this podcast, totally strong will be live on Android. Woohoo! Nice, nice, well done. Thank you very much. I uh, I went back on my word about the user profile because I felt like now that I have the create workout working, I'm like, okay, people are very vain in general, so they're gonna want to like be able to talk about themselves and share their profiles. <laughs> so you know, and I want I want to fit that in there. I don't want to like look. I want you to shine, and I want you to feel like you can engage with the app. So I did redo the the, the profile, and so right now all I'm doing is making sure that all the pieces are crash free for the most part. I'm sure there'll be some yeah. crashes that I don't anticipate. But yeah, so my plan now is just, like I said, by the time this goes live, hopefully things will be out on the Google Play Store with the newest version. And the logo is going to be there. I'm announcing the branding. I'm going to rebrand everything over the next couple yeah. of days. So that way you'll see the new logo, our new colors, all that stuff. And yeah, but so that's what's happening next with the app. Then I have a, a huge opportunity that I'm going to be working on. I am in talks with... I don't know how much of this I can say with someone to sponsor their corporate biggest loser challenge. Nice. That's... And so totally strong will be an official sponsor of the biggest loser challenge for this, this one corporate event. And yeah. as a part of it, they'll use the app and I'm going to use that to be honest, to parlay that into lots of user feedback, because since people get really motivated by these things, they're going to use it. And, and I'm going to yeah. ask them to post about it, but I'll see what doesn't work. And I think because of the nature of the sponsorship, I believe that the interactions with the users will be more friendly because they want to be a part of the app. They want to use it. And they'll be happy to tell me like, hey, can it do this? Would it, you know, could you add this thing? Or this thing is very hard to do. So I'm really looking forward to that stuff. And that's going to be happening in January of 2019. That's that's a great place awesome. to be so, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I getting a promote getting involved in a program like that for the app you're building is a phenomenal, you know, opportunity. So, best of luck with that. Thank what you. What do you? What is the? I know right now your goal is to focus on launching and getting the uh, getting like through this pro this promotion slash program. What? Are, what are you looking at for 2019? What is that? What is the the big picture goal for you in that year? Big picture goal for the for the app. I think the app's value as a community resource is good, but I don't think it's as monetizable for the long term, right? So mm -hmm. I'd start thinking about that because I do want the workouts to be free. So in 2019, the big goal will be for us to start offering video workouts on demand. And, mm -hmm. and, and getting to that level, like that's the big goal is to launch one video workout on demand. And then this is like the group fitness style workout. So if we can do that, I think that will be right on target to where Totally Strong can become uh, self-sustainable and even revenue generating. Great. So that is quite a year. Um, you know, this is the third episode that we've talked about this. The story keeps getting better. Um, I got to applaud you on just the persistence, the, your ability to stick with it through and, and balance out 
a pay like a full-time job and a full-time family and you know it's it's a lot you've just done a lot and you've achieved a lot and it's very obvious you're going to achieve more so you know kudos man you are just you're doing you're doing what it takes and i cannot wait to have you back on the show in another six months to a year to follow up on where do things stand now because i think the story is going to keep getting better oh thank you so much i am really really grateful for your support don for your support and just even the feedback and, I, and the reason i love the feedback so much it's, it's like oh yeah look at me i'm so happy but it's more that <laughs> sometimes it's really hard to get through the stuff and it's so hard to obscure how much you've accomplished in a year yeah because you can only think about the last like three weeks that's what people do they think about like december and november they say oh i didn't really do that much but from your perspective i didn't even think about it from that perspective even for myself i'm like we had a pretty good year okay but i didn't think about how much i actually did this year and i did a ton for the app and i did a ton for my family and i did it for work and there's just a whole bunch going on and i am just i'm really excited about last year so many learnings that i had and i'm really yeah. excited to see if i can be faithful to putting those learnings into practice going forward and and just keep going because this is I, I feel like you're right about this is what you have to do even though it can sound yeah. scary and i think if someone heard this story and said this is what I have to look forward to. I don't want to do it. I would tell that person, don't even think about it from that point of view. First, just get there, right? When you get to yeah. these places, it, you you won't be as down as it sounds like you would be just from the outside looking in. You'll actually be pretty happy because that means you're making progress and you're moving forward. Yeah, and I mean, the story that we're talking about today is really we focused almost entirely on the totally strong journey, the flutter journey. But there is something to be said for the parts, like you mentioned your family, but you have spent a lot of time on both your career and family, and more importantly, family. So in a way, it's not like you have chaos in all three areas. I mean, obviously, a, a baby brings in chaos that we all expect. But it's not one of those, you know, parts of your life that bring you down. And it's really important for people to realize that having foundations, like you work for a great company, you do a job you love, you work with great people. It's really important to make sure that you take care of those other areas because when things get tough in the, the, the product, the solo entrepreneur type of role, you need to be able to lean on those other ones, not to, to just make you go crazy, That's not right. to make you, you know, lose all of your steam. So when you took the time to say, I'm going to focus on my son, that was a very important part for totally strong, being able to get back to where it needed to be. Because if you didn't take care of that, it would have driven you just as nuts about what you're the important things you're letting go to. And I feel like solo entrepreneurs start to they start to segment these things and then try to push the other ones to the side. And I feel like your approach was actually the more important long-term decision that stability has to be across all of the boundaries. And if it means that you miss that deadline and you send out that email, so be it. 
that is very vital for what will looks to be a great 2019 because you allowed for um, shifts of focus in 2018. It's something that people need to think about. And I feel like that's part of the story that can't just be looked past. You made a great choice in that case. Thank you. I yeah, appreciate and, that. And I agree with you. And, and I think following Mark on Twitter is is a nice diary of what what balance and getting things done with balance is, is all about. Um, just just following Mark's story on Twitter gives you that that exact feeling, Randy, of of hey, you know what? I'm 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 at a point today where I've got to shut it down and and go uh, go put my son down and and cuddle with him for a while. So um, I, I, I feel like I, I completely understand Mark's journey just by, by his Twitter follow. So anybody out there, I, I highly recommend following him. So in our show notes, we're going to put in all of the episodes where we talk to you so that people can kind of maybe go back and listen and see where we are now. Cause I think podcasts are great when you get the first part of the story and the last how, what else, what other links should we be putting in show notes for people to follow you and to get involved with Totally Strong? Oh, I, you know what? I would love it and be so grateful if you folks could link in just totallystrong.me. Yep. Link that, that in. That's where you can go, folks, if you want to hear or when you want to find out what's happening next and be informed about the launch, the official moment that it goes live. Uh, you can follow Totally Strong on Twitter and Instagram. We have the same name everywhere. It's very grateful. By the way, I don't know how we got Totally Strong and no one ever <laughs> had that. But on Twitter, Instagram, we're just at Totally Strong. So you can follow along there. And when the, when the app is live, download it and give me feedback. I mean, that is that is so helpful for me and would just really help continue to grow everything that we're doing. And also like we always promote our show for reviews, but it real, it will be helpful on, is it the Google play store that you'll have your app? That's right. We'll be on Google play first. And then later in January, we'll be on iOS. So you don't necessarily, you mean you can, you can ask for it, but I'll say if you want to help Mark out, go to when he launches, go to Google play, download the app, write a review. It could be, you know, be constructive, but reviews help apps and they help them very much at the beginning. So that would be a very helpful thing for folks to do if they like the story and they want to be able to get involved. And truly, this is an app that can help people. I mean, what better time to do our New Year's resolutions um, about getting healthy physically? This is what the app is for. So there's all these different things that can you know, you can give and you can get back in this case. So I really will put these in the show notes. People can get involved. And, you know, I like the, the last thing I'll say is have a great holiday, Mark. Thanks for coming on. We, the story that you share um, both on Twitter and here are terrific for students and entrepreneurs and people wanting to hear a real life story of, of, human beings struggling to get their goals done and achieving it through persistence and really a positive attitude, which is probably the most important thing. And then, so, you know, have a great holiday and we will see you in 2019. All right. Thanks everyone. I appreciate you All both. Right, thank you, Mark. See you, Randy. Got it. Later.
Thanks for listening to This Old App. Show notes and previous episodes can be found on our website at www.thisoldapp.online. Reviews on Apple iTunes are always appreciated and help promote the show. For questions, comments, or things you would like to hear on future shows, please email us at hello at thisoldapp.online. Show music is Guns Blazing by Fab Claxton, licensed by Pond5. Voiceover work by makingvoices.com. You'll hear from us soon.